another day. All right, let's ride. I drink my peppermint tea because I'm better than you. Ooh, shit. That actually burned my mouth. That's what I get um, with talking shit. Anyway, happy Mother's Day to all the ladies out there, um, even adoptive mothers included, or people that are of the female persuasion just taking care of other people's kids. So you are acting in a motherly capacity. So happy Mother's Day to you as well. This is not for single fathers who feel like they play dual roles as both mother and father. We don't do that here. Everybody gets their own day. And this is only for the responsible parents who actually take care of their kids. Only for the responsible mothers, aunties, grandmothers, mother of your child, my child, my mama, her mama. All of us were happy. Mother's Day special to my wife and my mother for, you know, having me and having my kids and everybody included. But if you take care of your kids, you are included in my Mother's Day celebration if you are a woman. Now, Father's Day, we'll, we'll do that when it's when it's time for it, but we really got to appreciate our mothers. They say you only really get one. You only get one biological mother. I believe you can have different people in that role throughout your life. It, you could be like somebody's brother or daughter from another mother. You know, you know what I'm saying. But different people in your life that look after you in a motherly manner, boom. Shout out to all you guys, women, sorry, that are doing that and enriching people's lives in your life. You make the world a better place. All those home-cooked meals, tending to us when we're sick, and just giving us guidance to move throughout life. Man, y'all y'all get it. Y'all really help make the world a better place. I'm at a, a loss of words, so I'm going to stop rambling and uh, roll right into this Georgia abortion law that got put into place. And apparently the good governor uh, and the people who support him and voted for him or whatever, have decided that there needs to be like, I forgot the exact name, but it's like the heartbeat law that after six weeks of being pregnant, you are no longer legally allowed to get an abortion. My reaction to that is that it is bullshit. However, it is completely within his power to do so by the people who put him in that office. I believe it's unfortunate. I don't think any man has a right to tell a woman what to do with her body in that situation. I feel like if you're going to be a responsible father, you have a right to to give your input and to make what you would like to do known. But ultimately, you need to support the mother of that child because it's not your body that's going to change. The only thing that's really going to change for you is your time and your bank account. That's really it. Women, they go through a whole physical change. Their, their drives are affected. It's just a whole emotional, physical roller coaster that they're going to be on during that pregnancy. And it's going to, that child's going to be with them and you. We should be with you for the duration of your life. And luck, hopefully as much of that kid's life that you're around for. And I, I really, really mean it's there's certain things that I don't think men should interject on. We can, be, we can be outliers and listen to the opinions of and maybe give our, our opinion, but just know that our opinion shouldn't hold as much weight. I don't think this is a law that a man should be spearheading because I'm going to keep it a buck with you. At, at any point, any man involved with any woman, when there's a child present, we can always get up and walk away. Any point in the pregnancy, you say, hey, you know what? This ain't working out. I'm going to roll. I'm going to roll. That's a, it's a unfortunate privilege that some men take advantage of. It's not something that I, that I believe should be done. But it's, it's a fact. A man could walk away from a pregnancy at any time with no physical damage to himself. In order for a woman to do that, there's procedures have to be done. And it's just it's a whole situation that we don't have to deal with. So therefore, I believe that a woman should have the right to make that decision. Point blank period. Even if you are in a relationship with a woman, you plan on going forward with that relationship with that, with that woman, 
you still don't have the right to make that decision. You can say, babe, I want to keep this baby. I think we can do well. I think we can raise it. I think we can give this baby a good life. She say, no, hey, you either stay with her and support her or leave. That's the really the only option that I believe you should have because there's no way that I believe in, in my brain that a man should be able to especially pressure a woman into having a child that she don't feel like she's ready to take care of. No way whatsoever. And as for us, it, as the, for, for the regular folk in the community, I know a lot of people have an issue with this and a, and a problem with this. There's two things women in Georgia can do. Leave the state and go to a state that doesn't have this law is a secondary thing you can do. The first thing you can do is be, weird, be real careful and real selective of who you lay down with. And make sure you have protection when you lay down if you are not ready for a child. Because no matter how we feel about laws, rules, regulations, whatever, if you're not careful about what you do, this is something that can affect you. Now, I'm not trying to put all the blame on a woman. We all know it takes two to tango, but I look at women as the gatekeeper. So if you don't want to be in the situation, be careful what you do and who you do it with. Make sure that... You're prepared for any outcome that may happen. And I understand that everybody's not in a long-term a long -term relationship. They don't plan to be. I understand things happen. I understand people grow 100%. I get it. I get it. But we all know that we're, that we're grown and things can potentially happen. So please protect yourself at all times unless you're ready to deal with the consequences that may come with having a child. That's all I'm saying. I don't mean to offend. I'm just giving you my opinion, but that's your way of avoiding really being affected by this bullshit law that this person put into action, that them and their supporters put into action. But I just, I just feel a way about it. And also, I was just looking at something on, uh, on the Book of Faces where somebody put up a post about child support, and I have my opinions about it. I feel like in order to protect yourself, just from things I've seen, if you are not in a relationship, a steady relationship, if you're not married, you might as well go ahead and put yourself on child support. As much as I feel that it is um, something that can be abused by people who do things maybe out of spite from what I've heard, from what I've seen, what I've had my friends go through, I still feel like as a man, that's the only way you can really protect yourself in a situation like that. Now, just like I said about the abortion part, you should have protected yourself beforehand because you knew what you were doing when you shot that club up. And for those who don't know what I mean, read between the lines when I say shot the club up. You knew what you were doing in the act and you knew what the outcome was, so you got to protect yourself. Go ahead and get on child support if you know the baby's yours. If you don't know the baby's yours, again, be selective of what you're doing, who you do it with, and you won't be in that situation. And I know it's, hey, it's me, married guy, talking shit, but I'm a married guy with two kids within the same household so I can talk that shit. That is a privilege that I have because I made sure that I was selective with what I did and who I did it with. I was already married, and boom. And I planned at least my first kid. <laughs> Not to give y'all too much information. But anyway... I feel like that is it's an issue in our in the black community that we need to attack and and go about in a better way as far as having these kids out of wedlock because I'm pretty sure there's some science that and some math some figures that show what happens to kids born outside of a uh, family unit and how things don't tend to go the right way for those children. And it's like I said in a few podcasts ago, we know it doesn't work. It's not working. We gotta change our mentality. It don't fucking work. So, black people, let's get our shit together. If you know you're gonna be in a situation as a man and you know that this is your baby and you have no intentions on marrying this girl, put yourself on child support. Even if you in the home with her and y'all living together and that money comes right back into the same pool. Let's say y'all just living together, y'all ain't married, and y'all sharing the bills and all that. If you put yourself on child support, then the money's coming right back into the household. So in the event that y'all split up, she's still getting 
some uh, some financial support from you in the event that you don't keep the child yourself and retain custody. That way that if you guys end up going, it goes bad and you guys end up going to court, they can never go back and say that you didn't support that child because you went about it the right way and got everything documented so you don't get with back child support. Because all that money you've given her without no real documentation don't mean shit if she go to court and you have no proof that you've been providing any type of support for this child. So it's better to just knock it out, get it out the way, and do it, even if y'all in the same household. And maybe y'all can shut it off when you get married, but if you get married, the money come back into the same household, big deal. I got that bit of knowledge from Judge Mathis. So, boom. Shout out to Judge Mathis for that bit of knowledge. And who is this kid walking by himself in this big-ass parking lot? See, this is how people kids get taken. I don't know. This guy, he's maybe 8, 9, maybe a short 10 years old. But it looks like he's about to cross this big-ass street by himself, not a parent in sight. And what if I was a creep and went to snatch this kid? Like, the way, the way I'm situated, I could be on a, a toll road in, like, five minutes on my way to the highway, gone somewhere. I'm like, could snatch this little fella right on up. I know it's broad daylight, but shit, people crazy. People do wild stuff in daylight. That's a damn shame. Anyway, let me get back to what I was talking about. More to do with kids. The royal baby was born, a little boy, um, Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry's. They had a little boy. And apparently, some dusty-ass radio host over there in the UK decided to post a picture on Twitter or Instagram with um, it was a chimpanzee with a bowler hat on, and it said something about the royal baby leaves the hospital now i'm a black person <laughs> and uh megan markle is of mixed race now when you do that there's only one only one thing that's going to pop into people's mind that is a racist that is something that you did to be funny racially and you fucking with the royal family which i don't think i don't understand why you would think that was a good idea but apparently this guy's been on the air for a while and he just got fired over some bullshit like over and I'm not saying what he did was, was, it was bullshit. I'm not saying he got fired for a bullshit reason, but for a few retweets or likes or whatever, this guy just killed his whole career. And I know how the you know, show business kind of works. He'll probably get a job somewhere else because now his name, unfortunately, is hot. And people that follow him and don't have a problem with what he did are still going to go listen to him. But still, just the fact that you, you took yourself out the game for a little bit for something that stupid. And you're talking about a member of the royal family. No matter how you feel about him, you live over there in that area, in that part of the world, where you know these people have high, high profiles, and they're highly influential. And for you to do something like that is one cowardly, because I would like you to see, I would like you to see, to see somebody do that. You get that picture, somebody tweets it to you, or you get in your inbox or something, Mr. Radio Guy. I think his name is Danny, Danny Baker. You take that picture, you print it out, and what you do is you make your way to the palace. And you go holler at the Duke and Duchess, and you say, hey, this is a picture of your child reading, leaving, um, leaving the hospital. This is a picture of your brand new son, the royal baby, leaving the hospital. And you give them that picture to their face. That's what I want you to do. If you're such a man, you a man about this shit, here you go, do that. Because you talking about an adult, and you making memes about a celebrity, adult, or whatever. Well, as an adult, they can handle that. That's cool. Okay, cool. When it, once it comes to like race and shit like that, and you're talking about somebody's child, go take that picture to his face and show that man that you said this about his child. Go do that. And go record that. That's what I want to see. If you if you such a man about your shit, go do that. Adults and all that stuff, man, I let that go. Adults can fend for themselves. But this baby, this baby just was born, man. And you go out your way to do something disrespectful. I'm glad you got your ass fired. So people like that make me mad. Like the people that were talking that all that shit about Michelle Obama. I wish you would have told her, go say that to her face. Go tell her she's a man to her face in front of her husband. And just see what the reaction is. You hide behind your little media desk and all this shit. Go say that to her face. That's all I want. For people like that, they need to be held accountable. That's why certain... Certain news stations and stuff, I just I watch them and I'm like, to get both sides, there's something I deal with because I'm stupid like that, but I watch, I'm like, man, just go be a man about it. Go say it to their face. 
or a woman about it, Lord Ingram. Things like that just kind of make me angry and just piss me off with that racism shit. But I'm going to move away from that and I'm going to continue with some more news. So in L.A. Mansion, and this is why I say things about gun control, going back to that, I'm going to get right back to this. This is what I want when I talk about gun control. I don't care about sports shooters. I don't care about all that shit. This is the type of shit I'm talking about. So apparently in L.A., somewhere in L.A., I want to say maybe Bel Air, there was a seizure. There was a raid, and then they seized over a 1,000 guns uh, from this one household. So they're saying there's a bunch of long guns, rifles, shotguns, shit like that. A 1,000 guns in the residents of that, of that household are being accused of manufacturing, transporting, and selling the guns. Now this is, for me personally, this is the exact shit I'm talking about. When I'm talking about stricter gun law enforcement, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not worried so much about the guy at the gun store. I'm worried about the guy selling these illegally on the street level because I don't know why you would have these in your house. If we talking about L.A., we know there's gang violence there. There's a huge market to sell this shit in the underworld because the, the gang violence shit is just a surface. There's other ethnicities there. If we know there's like a long-standing history of underworld crime in this country, especially in uh, major cities, and we know big cities like that with different ethnicities, there's a crime at a level that's way higher than low-level street gang violence. I'm going to say that. Those are the guys that they use to do their footwork. For, so for somebody to have this amount of guns in a, in a house in a neighborhood like that, goes to show you a lot because there's somebody at the top of that pyramid even. But this is what I want to see. And I hope everybody involved in this gets life. Everybody. They can prove that these guns are being manufactured and sold and transported to the low level, to the low levels where the violence and all that shit is happening. I want every one of these motherfuckers to get life. And if you don't give them life, give them 10, 15 for every gun they find in the house. Everybody involved. Because I'm tired of people getting killed because of stupid shit. And I know it's not the gun that does the killing, but the person behind the gun. But if you are going to give arms to people that you know are involved in the shooting and killing and hurting and robbing of other people, to me, you are just as guilty. My opinion ain't a popular one, but for people like this, and the people like the NRA... And the folks that are pro, all the pro-gun folks, they should be right on my side with this, 100%. Because these are the people that are making it more difficult for you to hoard all your guns in your household and for you to be a legally upstanding citizen. These are the people that are making it more difficult for you to do so. Because these are the people that are getting the guns to the street and areas where people are using them for, for bad deeds. So the NRA should be out on top of this, like, yes, please lock these motherfuckers up. They're making a bad name for us because this is not something we want to do. This is not something we want to be associated with or a part of. Let's get these people off the street, get them in jail, and find out who else was who they were supporting and who else was supporting them. That whole network, shut it the fuck down. Shut it down. That's what needs to happen. My opinion, but hey, that's just how I feel. And I just wanted to get that off my chest because it just makes me so mad every time I hear about a shooting, some difference. And I watched something on the ID channel today. Dude shot this girl in the head point blank with an AK. Why? For what? Crazy. And I'm all over the place, but just bear with me. I had a lot of shit on my mind this week. I'm going through some shit personally, so I just... I got a lot on my brain. I'm rambling. But this was a really big story I wanted to talk about. And uh, I just feel like things like this need to be addressed. We need more seizures and raids and all type of shit just like this. To help protect our people from themselves. And I don't mean to sound like I want government control, martial law, none of that shit. But let's, I'm going to keep it to being. The people that are out here going and getting these guns and I'm going to be keep it 100. They, they don't know no better. They don't. They only see life in their little bubble. And they don't know how to get out of that. So they, they just stay stuck in it. They stay stuck in this war cycle between them and whoever else they, they're at odds with. 
And it's a cycle that keeps fucking repeating and repeating. The cycle don't end. You go into jail, you come out of jail, you can't get a job, you go back to revert to what you were doing, whether it was breaking and entering, whether you were robbing people, whether you were selling drugs, whatever you were doing, it's so much easier for you to go back because your brain's already created that path. It's already, it's already in your brain. Like, it's easier for me to go do this than get a job now that I got this on my record. I'm not going to be able to get a gig. So this is what I got to do. Let's, let's find ways to break the cycle. I don't give a damn how we go about it. Let's hit it all. Education, gun control, start giving these kids fucking jobs, something. But shit got to stop. I'm getting sad. I'm going to move on to sports because I'm getting sad. In this segue, I'm going to get some more violence to you real quick. So apparently the boy Porzingis, the unicorn, Christoph Porzingis, was at home in Latvia at a bar, and he was jumped by some Russians. There's a video out there. It looks like he got hit in the head and the forehead with something. He's leaking, but he was pissed. And I just don't, I don't know if he, who he was with, if he didn't have enough people with him. I guess he figured, you know, he'd go home, hometown hero. Bro, you a seven foot three millionaire. I guess it ain't safe for him to go home either. You go back, people think you're acting like Mr. Big Shot, and next thing you know, they want to start an altercation with you. I don't know what it was about. I don't know nothing about Russian, Latvia. Uh, I don't know about the relationship. I have no clue. But apparently, he was assaulted by three Russians, and they're they getting under control over there. But he looks like he's going to be okay. But that's unfortunate. Can't even go home. It's fucked up. It's terrible. But now the NBA playoffs, which he's not a part of. But the NBA playoffs have been amazing this year. It has been good to see a lot of good teams being put together and how they're the chemistry is is what I'm trying to get to. The chemistry of these teams. And you see the tears, like who's there, who's not quite there, who's on the way. I just really hope they keep a lot of these teams together and they add the pieces where they need them because the playoffs have been really competitive this year. Even in the first round, some of the guys, the teams that got put out early, like Orlando, they were they took a game from Toronto. Nobody expected them to win that game. Uh, Denver and San Antonio went seven games. It was great to see OKC and, um, and Portland go at it. And then you had the Warriors kind of did their thing. I'm like, they kind of got away smooth. And then you had um, Houston and Utah. But there's been some great series, man. And I've been able to catch a few of them, not too much of the East Coast stuff. Unfortunately, they sent Boston home to park the car in the yard. Uh, Milwaukee got them the fuck out of there. I don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie at the end of the season. Everybody's predicting New York. Who knows? They're saying the same thing for KD, who was unfortunately injured in that um, game. And a real big shout-out to um, Steph Curry for the way he performed in the fourth quarter after going for zero in the first half. This boy put 21 points on him in the quarter. Goddamn. Splash, brother, splash, man. That's even with Steph Curry and Draymond being in foul trouble. Uh, Clay Thompson stepped up big time. Big time in the first half. He did enough so that Steph Curry could carry them in the second half, and he made some big shots at the in the in the fourth quarter, so Clay was all over that game. He filled a big void for them, and it's like it's great for him to be rolling now, so that they can roll right into this next series with Portland. C.J. McCollum showed his ass, by the way, so they can roll right into this uh, series with Portland, and they be ready to go, ready to go on all hitting on all cylinders with a few days rest. They don't have to play a game seven. And Houston, I don't know what the fuck happened in Houston, and I'm gonna keep it a bean with y'all. As much as I love. His skill set and the way he can play the game. I have to admit that I cannot fucking stand Chris Paul. I can watch him play and be like, that boy is cold, he's bad. But just the the way he's been going about playing is just kind of dirty. I feel like he's on the, you know, he's on the floor kind of rolling a little bit towards people's knees, all the elbows and shit, all the flopping. Like, I guess being desperation leads to dirty play. He's getting older. He ain't got the championship yet. He's always been the guy that was you know, getting close on good teams, just not good enough teams. He just ain't got there yet. I kind of feel, I felt bad for James Harden for a second, but then the way James Harden plays irritates me like a motherfucker anyway. 
He, he, the way he pushes off and grabs people, then flops and gets foul calls. I guess I grew up watching the league in the 90s and um, early 2000s even. Like, it, that shit just don't appeal to me. I grew up watching MJ, watching Kobe, and um, even watching LeBron not get fouls called for him for the longest amount of time. So to me to watch this cat go to the rack and flop and get the foul called every goddamn time and then see somebody else go do the same thing, shoot a three-pointer and not get the foul called to me is just like, come on, man. Come on. It's cheap to me. I don't like the cheap, easy. You When you back there dribbling, crossing people up, cool. Dropping buckets from three, cool, I'm with all that. But when you just do shit to purposely get the foul, and it's blatant. If it's not so blatant, then I, okay, cool. Because I know a lot of players do that, like that chicken wing move, but to do the chicken wing bump, then flop and all this shit and be the only one in the league really getting that call to me is like, come on, man. Come on. It, it just, to me, it's just, it's it's off-putting. It's off-putting as a fan. It's just like, because it, it slows the game down and now people don't even really want to guard you. They, they're trying to guard you. They got to basically let you get a free run to the rack because they know you're going to get a foul call. And I know what people be like, well, well, you got to figure out a way to stop them. But if the refs aren't calling the fouls the both ways, if they're not calling it the same way, to me, that's an unfair advantage. And for him, somehow his ability to flop and move, he's the only one able to get that call. I don't know. It's like, what do you do in that situation? Like, what do you do? But I, I guess him running all over the court slowed him down. I guess he got tired because I don't know how in that game six, you're at home. you at home. You've been putting up 35-point games, 40-point games. And I'm, I'm not saying that 25 points is, is, not, is not a lot of buckets. That's a lot of buckets for anybody in any game. I will give you that. The NBA is full of great athletes. Compared to the average motherfucker on the street and guys in college, the NBA is top-notch league in the world. So anybody scoring 25 on anybody else is a huge accomplishment. But I'm just I'm not understanding how somebody who usually scores with ease don't get more. You don't have KD there as a as a deterrent. You, you got Kev Looney, and I just I just don't see how the Rockets didn't win that game. Like, it was, it was mind-blowing to me. And I know Steph did his thing, but Steph didn't do his thing for the whole first half. At some point, he realized he wasn't hitting buckets, and he was trying to, you know, uh, facilitate the other people until he can get his game working, which he did. And it just goes to show that people, I think now, because of, you know, KD and his level of excellence and greatness being on that team, people have stopped talking shit about KD and just accepted that he went there, took it, and basically made it his team. Fuck what everybody else says. He gets the ball and ISO carries them a lot when when he's needed to and just that's the normal like he's the guy on the team now. Fuck what everybody else talking about. But for Steph Curry to be able to do that, take it with a grain of salt after working his way from being the seventh seventh pick and not the pick he thought he should have been, as his talent shows, him being able to accept that step back and then step back up in time of need, you gotta respect it. And I feel like people kind of forgot, like, hey. I know I may give you 20 a night after KD got his 35, but Steph can give you buckets. Don't get it fucked up. He can he can give them to you all night long. Even if he's had an off night, he damn sure did it. Um, this last the last two games, he killed him in the second half. I gotta respect that kid, man. And and that leads to something else I want to talk about. You know, as far as the NBA playoffs, it's all great. I can't wait for the next round. I kind of want to talk about just superstars in general. And sports is my normal relay for this, but a superstar in general, whether it be in the in the acting field, whether it be music, sports, whatever, superstars are really important. And I was listening to something, I think it may have been The Brilliant Idiots or something, where you're talking about uh, a superstar is important. Like everybody uses, uses LeBron as the example, and I mean, he really is for what he did for Cleveland, which just People get mad when these players get paid these what we feel are ridiculous amounts of money. But we say that without really knowing what's going on. And if you look at it from the LeBron perspective, because he's he's like the one guy, or even like let's say Brady, 
what Brady does for um for the Patriots in New England, that whole area. When you bring a superstar to any situation, as the person, as a producer, or the owner, or the GM, or whatever, because I look at GMs, producers, like producers of um, movies and music, the same way I look at GMs. When you in that position, your job is to get the job done to satisfy the wants and needs of the owner or whoever's financing that situation. So your job is to get the big names. So if it's for a movie, you want to get a big name to come be the head of this movie, to be the lead, because you're going to attract two things. You're going to attract more money, so you're going to have more funds, because whoever's going to fund this project is going to believe in it, and you're going to attract other actors, because I find it hard to believe that an actor wants to be in a film that ain't going to make much money, because every film for them is like their portfolio. It goes into their file of things they've done. So you want to go be with somebody in that in that realm who's going to be able to help elevate your game and help put you in a different profile or in a different light that you wouldn't necessarily been in at that point in your career. So you want to be in the movie with Samuel L. Jackson. You want to be in the movie with Denzel, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, um, shit, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. You want to be now in a movie with fucking Chadwick Boseman, Idris Elba, Jake Gyllenhaal, you want to be in those movies with the Scarlett Johansons and the, and the, um, and the, I almost called him Tony Stark's Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. You want to be in those movies because that's going to increase your marketability as an actor, and it's going to bring more funds and more resources because you got all the big names. You're gonna get the best directors, best um, behind the scenes people, everything. And the same goes for music. That's why the features are so big, especially in the hip hop community, because. I don't believe in hip-hop right now. You don't have the pop infrastructure. I still don't believe you don't. Even though I feel like it's the most popular art form, that pop infrastructure is like years old. Years old. The same with um, maybe rock and country. So you have to bring somebody in, especially if you're like a newer act, to validate that person's presence and help boost their profile. And if you listen to rap music, that's why those producer tags are so important because... The people who make the beat, you don't even really know their name unless they're high-level, high-quality producer. And that's why they're putting the beat tags on all their on all the music they produce, so people know that name. That's why Zaytoven, um, what's a young kid, DJ Mustard. Um, there's a kid I can't I can't remember his name right now. Um, young Metro is what I'm talking is what I'm thinking about. These guys have these tags on their music because it's marketing. 100%. And just like with sports, you want to get you want to get LeBron on that team. You want to get Jay-Z on that album, on that record, because his names are going to automatically bring more light to whatever artist that is, and you're going to make more funds for that record label. So we got to start appreciating these superstars and like Giannis, especially the ones that are homegrown, like how LeBron was and how Giannis is, how D-Wade was in Miami, Kobe in L.A., um, Right now, Damian Lillard in Portland, Jokic in Denver, and like how Stockton and Malone were, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, all those guys, and even in the smaller markets, they're going to attract new players to these teams, and they're going to create more revenue. That's why Manny Machado can get that $300 million contract over 12 years because now other players know, hey, the Padres are serious about winning some baseball games. They're going to get this guy money to go there, you know people automatically like, shit, I got to go see the Padres. I want to go be there. And now they're winning more games. More players are going to want to come there because now it's like, hey, I got to step my game. If we got a guy on the team getting 300 mil, what can I do to get myself close to that? So that's why, like I was just thinking about it the other day, that's why, man, these, these guys get paid this amount of money because while we think, oh, that's a ridiculous amount of money, that's an investment to whoever owns that team, that's a huge investment because the jersey sales are going to go up, the the ticket attendance is going to go up, the concessions is going to go up, you're going to have more TV time, and they're making billions, billions off that investment. Just imagine, if you th think about it like this, how much more money is the city of Cleveland, we'll just, we'll just say the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers losing now 
that LeBron is not there and they are not in the playoffs going towards the finals. Just think about how much more money they are not making now. That's why the owners get pissed off when somebody like LeBron leaves the team. Think about how much money he is going to miss out on because LeBron probably would have been at least in the race in the East to get to the finals if they kept that team together and got a few different pieces. They would have at least been in the race to get to the finals in the East. So Cleveland right now is, I won't even say they're losing money. They're not seeing the amount of money they would have seen had he still been there. So that's why these guys get ridiculous contracts, if you're wondering. So just try to think about it from that level. I like to look at things from the top down sometimes, and that's just what I came up with, just looking at stuff and hearing certain things. Man. And I think I'm going to close it out. I've been rambling for a long time. One thing I wanted to, to hit on real quick is um, I was drinking my little tea, my little tea, and I looked at this little tag on here, and it said over 300 years of experience, established 1706. And that got me to thinking about reparations. And as much as I, as much as I want it for the black community, I would just hope that it will be managed properly and that it's something that we just wouldn't squander. Now, we all know there's a segment of us that, and just people in general, that get a lot of money and they don't handle it the right way. Now, it is, the perception of this is heightened when it comes to black people because it seems like a lot of us are materialistic based on like fashion choices and jewelry and all this other shit that we see young black people and even older black people with. So I would hope that what I what I see now is really happening as far as people getting serious about investing in real estate, more black people becoming involved in tech, and just being wiser about what we do with our finances uh, in general. So I would welcome, I'd be foolish not to, I would welcome reparations given to us. I hear a lot of people talk about what's it going to do, why it's not going to fix anything. Well, a lot of people out here say that shit aren't black. And the reason I brought up this um this this little tag I see on this T thing is it says over 300 years of experience established 1706. Well, if you look at the dates and time, just think about it, without me even having to say it, you should know what I'm getting at. There's been a huge chunk of time where we've been in this country and not not even been allowed i won't even say able i say not being allowed to accrue that much wealth and even when some black on some black people did accrue wealth it was taken from them unjustly if you just look at black wall street if you look at being discriminated to get into certain schools to get educations to be able to get certain jobs to just be able to get jobs to not being able to learn how to fucking read or not 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 able not being allowed to learn how to read like it's fucked up just in, in the way in the way we've been dealt with and handled just throughout any time we've had any political or semi-political leaders that were rallying the people on the grassroots, they were cut down. Looked at as terrorist organizations by white people who feared us, J. Edgar Hoover. So times when we had upward mobilization, it was killed. And now we're at the point where there have been people making money, but they feel like they don't even want to associate with us because they're trying to get to the level where not many of us are and unfortunately the belief is if you still got some of that black too much of that black on you we don't really want to fuck with you now i think from things i'm hearing people in higher financial standings than me say i feel like that that idea is kind of turning around and more people are about putting out putting out i would say more information and knowledge and the willingness to help like you see what lebron james is doing with his i promise school things like that, investing back into the community and just being an example. Greatest story in sports by far, LeBron James. Just what he's able to do with his with his uh, his resources and what he's willing to do with his resources, I think is phenomenal. So I, I, I think it's changing. I think we're in a period where we could be in a real upswing. We just got to do things right. And I look at stuff, like I get stuff told me by other people. They say, hey, look at this guy, look at this guy. And a lot of it is, you know, conservatives I'm looking at. I'm talking about Thomas Sowell, or maybe he's a libertarian, excuse me. But don't, 
don't write us off. Don't feel like we're lazy. Don't feel like we're blaming everything on racism. Don't feel like that about us. I need for somebody like Thomas Sowell to get in contact with somebody who had a mind like Nipsey Hussle. And I believe I said this before, but you talk about two gentlemen knowing and speaking wisely about finances and how it could help the community just to put, help put black people in a different mindset. It don't have to be the rapper. It don't have to be the athlete. Just somebody prominent. Somebody to, to be there that's going to be in your face every day. That's why I know he could be reckless. I know he can say some wild shit. That's why I love what Charlemagne the guy does. I love the fact that he puts out him and Emmy the way they put out how they do real estate and Killer Mike included about how they make money legally and how you, you can see them on a regular basis on a regular basis just out talking to people about doing things within the community how Envy talks about his um his real estate business and Charlemagne writes books he has podcasts he does his radio stuff just being able to be in a position where you're creating things and you're controlling things in your ecosystem and being able with your mouthpiece to talk about other black people that are out there doing things because we don't know about the lean the waves and shit out there a lot of us don't know nothing about that shit that people are writing and producing these highly successful tv shows we don't think about it when we're at a younger age we see them like oh, okay cool but now you got somebody that's on the air every damn near every day podcast every week like charlamagne talking about how things are moving in our community and there's different ways to go about shit so i really need like thomas soul to show up on the breakfast club and talk to people that's what i need because a lot of these conservative blacks are only talking to other conservative blacks but yeah that's cool but we need you over here we need you on a major platform talking to that talking about that and maybe somebody can change them i like no we're not all lazy we're not lazy we just have to we want certain shit addressed that's it so i think reparations could be great if it, if it comes in the way of fucking funding for a business you want to start or a college fund or you want to learn a trade by all means, but I just fucking want it. Give me the opportunity hundreds of years from now to have my name on a label saying 300 years of experience established in whatever year. Because this shit is something that we, that's something we weren't afforded. And I know there are some older businesses, but not nothing going back like this. This, we talking about gen, super duper generational wealth. The ability to have generational wealth, that's why I, I love to see shit like Jay-Z, Beyonce, and all these black people, all these black athletes getting just ridiculous, what we feel like are ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, go ahead and create that, create that generational wealth, open some businesses, and let people get it cracking. That's what we need. That's why it breaks my heart to know that the marathon, the marathon store out in Crenshaw closed. Closes. I don't know if it's permanent, but I know Nipsey store closed. It hurts my feelings to see shit like that for somebody trying to create generational wealth. But yeah, come on with the reparations. Watch how quick these these multimedia companies and these... LL my partner started... I got three homeboys got LLCs, all black men in their 30s. At least three. And I'm thinking about starting my own. Really highly... That was really one of the main purposes of this podcast. To put myself in a position where I could get used to being responsible for stuff and or as semi-owning something, creating something from the ground up. So, yeah. Come on, let us, let us get these reparations to start these businesses. Some of us will fail, and that's cool. Others will learn. And it will, will come up. I think it's, I think we're at, uh, shit, this game seven for us right now. I think we're at that point where either we're going to get our shit together or not. I really believe that. we. If not, it's game damn six. But I think we more in the game seven mode. With the shit that's going on politically, we got to get our shit together. We got to put a, a value on education, a value on financial education, and we got to get our values intact so that we can get out of this hole we're in with all this information everywhere and start bringing ourselves about these fucked up situations. That goes for other minorities as well. And something I really saw over the weekend that really got my brain to thinking was uh, this documentary on HBO. You should go watch it. It's called Class Divide. And it talks about an area in New York City, the West Chelsea area, the neighborhood of New York City. There is a school called the Avenue. The world, they want it to be the world school. There's 
like 1,200 something students there, and this school is ridiculous. I think it's a K, through, I believe it's a K through 12 school, and certain ages these kids can take the iPads home, work on the iPads. These kids do projects, and they sit in classes and in at a round table where they're discussing things on a business level, preparing these kids for the corporate world. This is fucking high school. This is high school, and I don't know if it goes back to middle school and elementary school and does that, but these kids are being prepared already. I think K through five classes are taught in Mandarin and Spanish. So these kids are already coming out dual language, dual enrollment from the jump. Learning different languages and tuition, 40000 30000 So there's only a select group of kids that are even going to be able to be in that class. The thing about it is, it's in an area that's been mostly gentrified. And there's a housing project 115 steps across the street. And you see in the documentary, they talk to a lot of, they talk to this wonderful little girl named Rosa. She's eight. They talk to her about her situation. She lives in the, she lives in the projects. And they talk to a few, um, a few young males, like black and Latino, 18, 18 and up. There's one of them who just graduated from college and a degree in sociology. Shout out to him. And um, they talked to uh, some high school kids from the other school. And the high school kids, the kids that go to Avenue, they know. They're highly aware of where they're at. And the disparity in what they're dealing with as far as seeing how they go to school, knowing how they live and how they, you know, what they're going home to, and knowing these kids across the way don't have nearly the resources that they have. And a lot of kids... They're, they're, a lot of the kids, they're conflicted because, like, well, I kind of feel guilty about knowing the resources I have in the school I'm going to and how I'm going to be prepared. And just even the jobs these kids, these kids want are, like, a lot more tangible than what you hear from the other side. But just their awareness of it and the fact that they're conflicted lets you know how, how fucked up this world can be. And they're talking about how they know what the situation is for the kids across the street, but they also know that their parents worked very hard for everything that they have. And I'm like, damn, that's like a, that's like a tough spot to be in, and unfortunately, one of those young kids committed suicide. But it was just cool to see that the kids there know, and eventually one of the young girls from there, she decided to do a project about um, building the relations. And that's why I know it's 115 steps, because that's basically what she called her project, well, her project when she went over there and she found a way to meet with uh, one of the groups over there that was trying to get the kids from the project to help them get their education and, and see that there's other ways to do things other than the typical way that comes out of bad neighborhoods. So she went over there, met with kids, brought them over to the school and um, with some of the older kids and let them kind of walk around and see how the school was being run just, just so that they can see that the kids over there don't hate them, they don't look down on, they don't necessarily look down on them, they're aware of the situation. And she got to hear the side from the guys over there as well. And I just think that it's really great that she, even in her young mind, she's able to do that. And I just hope she keeps that drive and goes on to create change in the world because it's going to start with our youth. That's what we need. So if you got a chance, check out Class Divide. It's, um, it's a great documentary. There's another one I looked at. I wasn't able to finish it, but when I, when I figure it out, I'm going to get back to y'all. It was really good. I can't believe I forgot it, but it was... Another great documentary I saw, but Class Divide is on HBO. It's really good. You should go check it out. And I think that's just about all I had. Yeah, um, also, I think I said this last week. I saw Endgame. It was fucking great. My wife finally went and saw her and my kid. They came back, and they were feeling how they were feeling about it. And I was just like, man, I'm sorry I didn't tell you beforehand, but you had to go see it. So shout out to everybody who was involved in making that. Go see it. If you haven't seen the Marvel series, avoid the spoilers and go back all the way to the beginning and watch all the way up to this one. You will not be disappointed. And if I was to create a superhero, he would be a super duper hood hero. Or he would be, I would say he would be a super duper minority community based hero. I'm trying to get out of using the word hood. I feel like there's a bad connotation to it. I would make him wild. He would be from like Brooklyn, New York or something. And his name would be like Magbito. <laughs> like. Magneto, Magbito B, and he would fly, he would ride on a wave of bees, 
and he would have a Yankee fitted and how I would have visualized a blue hoodie with a yellow Wu-Tang W on it and he would have on Tim's and his name would be Magbito. Magbito, son. He would be wild, wild New York type guy because I've met a few of those guys and they're always really hilarious and I just had that on my brain, had to get that off. But I appreciate you if you listen to this. My listenership may have or may not have picked up. I think somebody's playing a trick on me. But if you start from the beginning and you're working your way through the podcast, man, I really do appreciate it. Or if you're jumping on now, stay with me. You ain't got to go back. But if you want to go back, go ahead and go back. That's cool, too. If you want to reach out to me, it's noplayingthisride at gmail.com. Noplay247 on Twitter. Capital N, lowercase o, capital P-L-A-Y. There is a Facebook page that I keep saying. I keep saying I'll be more active on. I'm going to do that and start sharing stuff to there, just videos and wild shit. But anyway, if you want to reach out to me, hit me up there. Please, if you have the time to rate and review me on iTunes or wherever you're listening, if they allow you to do that, give me a like, give me a share, let me get this podcast out there. And if you share it, tag me in it on social media somewhere so I can see it, so I can thank you right when I see it. Because if you're going to go out your way to, to promote something for me, without really receiving any benefit other than knowing that you're helping the kid out. I really appreciate it. I really, really do. So go out there, man. Keep living your life, man. This is number 79. I didn't say that at the beginning. Again, hey, man, game seven. Let's get our shit together. Happy Mother's Day. Find a way to make your life better. It'll help throughout the world. So like I said last time, change the world, starting with yourself. Let's make this world a better place. Be cool out there, man. Peace.